Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, the podcast where we go through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine with me, Ed, um, James, who, um, are, are, are not here at this intro here. Wait a minute. Oh, but, um, I, I'm here with you. I, I love you. I, not in a weird way. My name is Wade Bowen. James and Hugh are coming up. They'll be here. But yeah, look, let's drop the charade. We're all smart people here. You're, you're not an idiot. You have impeccable taste. And you're not susceptible to dumb flattery on my part, and you'd probably prefer that I just get on with the damn thing. Yeah, you know this isn't a regular version of the podcast. This isn't the regular show where we break down, discuss, and nitpick every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Maybe we talk about it in the context of the golden age of TV, or peak TV, or prestige television, or whatever terms are being thrown around. And the voicemail segment, maybe you've listened to, if you're listening to my voice right now, you know, uh, we'll take your calls. You can give us a call at 917-408-3898. And we love hearing from you so very much, and we want to hear everything from you. And we can't always fit everything into these things because we like to talk a lot, and we forget the... Well, we don't forget. It's, it's our podcast, so... You're here to hear, listen to us talk, but sometimes we don't shut the fuck up. And we go along, and we can't fit it all, and so we cut it out. And we've had some really good calls. There's just so much gold in those that we want to get it to you. And we had a few calls here where, where questions came up. We thought this would be a good one-off episode just, just to explain what we're trying to do with the podcast, or get some terms spoken of, and all that kind of spiel. And so this is, I suppose, a pretty good jumping-on point for anybody to... Get your friends listening. It's relatively spoiler-free. Yeah, that's that's what this is going to be. So uh, I could keep going, but hey, let's just jump into it. And Media Race, you might hear this call and remember where it's from. And here we go. Uh, also, I had a question because I'm following this podcast for a few weeks now, and I like the central concept that which you started with. That you're uh, you're kind of seeing how this Deep Space Nine how it compares to Golden Age TV of today. And my question is this: um, What is your definition of the Golden Age of TV? Uh, are you are you kind of looking to compare? Star Trek Deep Space Nine with, you know, Breaking Bad, The Wire, uh, first season of True Detective, like really that really fantastic stuff that we have now, or more the more, what I think general, the more general golden age like Stranger Things, um, the Netflix Daredevil series, that kind of thing. Looking forward to hearing your response, I hope. That's a a really... That's a I think really good question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I th- I think to yeah. well, I'm just I just have a just a quick thing to just a quick yeah. thing to say is that um okay, to his larger question yeah. about the golden age of television, James, did you have something you want to lead with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's like two different well, I have I have my own opinion. Yeah, I think all th- all three of us have. <laughs> yeah. His golden age question, I think I think that there's yeah. Let's do the golden thing. There's two tiers, and I kind of jokingly text the guys about this. There's the elite tier 
of TV that you mentioned, and then there's the tier right, right below that, which is like the perfectly good TV tier. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it a golden age. The fact that the perfectly good shows aren't the best thing on TV. Like there is an age where Daredevil and Stranger Things and all those things, if they were on network TV, would be... Would have been groundbreaking. Groundbreaking, yeah. like a general whole generation would be affected by it. But we're living in an age, like an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. What we're interested in is how the unique overarching story arc of DS9 has laid the groundwork for that in TV as a precursor. So we think it's, I think you could see the imprint on both tiers. Don't you, could you guys make that argument? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, yeah, I think that. I think the whole term, there's like different terms. I think you could arguably say the Sopranos was kind of the beginning of where that, term golden age started getting thrown around yeah yeah definitely where after the sopranos and then we had that whole lost podcast but there it was where it was like there were these showrunners that were telling these huge stories over whole seasons and then we had golden age and Mm -hmm. that's when people started saying golden age of tv and everything and then what we're dealing with now well you had specifically like alan yeah like alan ball like won an uh won an oscar for writing and then went on american beauty and then converted that into a TV show right. to Six Feet Under. So, I mean, you had major talent going specifically to HBO at the time. So, yeah, I think that that was like a foundational. Right. And I think it's just changing, yeah, foundational of just like, oh, we can tell these big stories that used to be, if you want to tell serious stories, you do it with movies, and TV is just fluff and episodic and mm-hmm. people aren't going to watch every week. And then you have like with Stranger Things, and then and we've kind of used the term interchangeably in the podcast sometimes with peak TV, which... I don't know if I don't know what them I th- that means like it's about to crash. Well, I just I think that I think that's what we're talking about now where we have this it's a negatively ab- negative. abundance of riches where there's just so peak TV is just it's like peak oil I think it's where the term comes from it's like yeah yeah it's this hypothesis that it, it's going to just burst we're going to run out and it's not going to be sustainable. Well peak oil it's that we It's not sustainable anymore. Yeah, we can't sustain our infrastructure and everything and Yeah, but specifically we'll get to the point where we've passed 50% of all the oil that the like the, because it's a finite source yeah. so Past the, so each year would be less and less quality while and so you adapt that yeah, peak oil is just TV, I think it, and I don't, peak TV it's just there's just so much we can how can we have this much TV sustainable once the um, for me it's like when the bottom falls out and people can't afford to make this much TV anymore because it's like a bubble yeah and I think that that is I think that part of it is kind of silly yeah we've had this because argument I think that, I think there could um, be a bubble but that's yeah. Because I think that it's a shift of form. I think that the form is the format of how TV tells stories is different. Yeah. Where it used to be episodes like where, you know, when you started a season, you didn't know where the season was going because you were worried about getting 10 episodes, you know, writing these 10, next 10 episodes, then we'll worry about the next 10 episodes. And I think now what it is, is that you find and I Sopranos was one of them. But I think that I, I don't want to make too much of it. But Game of Thrones is taking these big novels and saying that we don't have to par this down to two hours and streamline it. We can par it down to 10 hours and there we can tell like the book. And so if you watch Game of Thrones the first season, it's an accurate representation of the book and a satisfying one at that. And then obviously it's went into a much different and complicated sort of history after that. Right. And I think that's the interest for, I think if I'm not speaking out of turn, like with Deep Space Nine for us is that, it's not doing that exactly. You still have the fillers, but it's it's on the way. Like mm. it's it's pre-Sopranos, but it's still this. It's more about the storytelling form of television than about like 
whether TV is going to run out and yeah. if the oil is going to burn, you know, it's not about, it's not less about sustainability. It's just how the stories are told. Well, well with it, me, I, it's a unique, it's a unique thing because you have in the nineties, you have deep space nine that starts with a story direction on the pilot and it's carried out through the course of the entire series into the finale. Mm-hmm. And TV wasn't done. Mm-hmm. It's basically yes. one story. Deep Space Nine is one story. Yes, and that's how right with yeah, a lot yeah. with a lot yeah. of filler with a lot of yeah with a lot of, <laughs> yeah. as we are discovering is with a lot of filler. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think we think that one of the reasons why it's a little bit more relevant today than some of the other Star Trek is because of that, and because you can digest it in the same way you would digest it you know, peak TV on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. And yes, we're just waiting for all you Babylon five people to email, but you know what? You're not on streaming services. So fuck off. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, did, I but I, it's probably but great. No, I, and when it's on, I'll watch it. Sure. Don't, don't hold me to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also like it's attachment to peak TV yeah. or to where we are today. The golden age yeah. actually has kind of a direct lineage. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, Ronald D. Moore left this show to create carnival, which was an HBO show that was pretty, Fucking balls out, balls of the wall, crazy and interesting, and and loved to this day mm-hmm. by a lot of people. And then and then made the gigantic sort of early peak or early golden age television show, Battlestar, uh, yeah. Battlestar Galactica. And then going forward, and then with Star Trek, we have Discovery coming up, which is of particular interest to us. Yeah, and we'll see like that. It's trying, and now it's trying to to do yeah make its footing. Not in that episode. So I'm interested to see. What's interesting to me is do they go the prestige. TV route, and they got originally a prestige TV runner right. in Brian Fuller, who wrote for Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but now it didn't work out, <laughs> and he went on to the. Oh, have you seen the reviews for American Gods? Yeah, it's yeah. getting crazy good reviews. But he went on to do, you know, just to work focus on that, and so it makes me wonder if maybe Discovery is going back to the typical CBS. Yeah, throwing in all the guest stars. <laughs> hey, let's bring in. Dwight as Harry Mudd and Rain Wilson, but, hey, yeah, you know, and that could be I'm, really rewarding, or that could be a dumb. Stunt. I'm worried about Akiva Goldsman. I don't want to throw shade at that guy, but one of the the guy wrote fucking Batman Forever. Hey, he he wrote the new uh, Transformers movie. Oh, oh, okay. One of the things I think you could say about the the current state of Golden Age TV and its relationship to science fiction is that lineage that of the Ronald D. Moore lineage that goes back to Deep Space Nine because mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica when it hit it hit the cultural zeitgeist in a way that science fiction hadn't in a long while mm-hmm. and it made people who shelled out cash yes. for tv shows look at sci-fi and fantasy in a way that they hadn't in a long time and i don't think without battlestar galactica game of thrones gets uh like that second pipe like they believe so much in game of oh yeah no no i agree yeah so i think that you can actually make a direct line cause and effect from the show that we're watching now every week the Space Nine to Game of Thrones, which is essentially the the reigning TV show. Yeah, I think you're right. I think in that pitch room, I never thought about it, but you're totally right. In that pitch room for Game of Thrones, Benioff and Weiss probably weren't talking up Game of or Lord of the Rings. They were probably talking up Deep uh, Battlestar Galactica yep. as a linchpin for how that would work. You're right. I mean, elect- Battlestar was electric when it first came out. Oh, yeah. Out. Those like, first yeah. two seasons are fucking amazing. Yeah. 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 And, the, and the miniseries, and so, the movie. Yeah, it's all great. I mean, they even made it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a joke yeah. on Portlandia's first yeah, season yeah, right. about <laughs> them binge watching it. The Golden Age. I mean, it's basically yes. Battlestar. <laughs> Go- 
with Ronald D. Moore right, on Battlestar with Ronald Galactic D. Moore in the, the first like must oh, binge watch. The black guy named Ronald D. Moore that they show up at his house. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> Wait, no, no, they actually. What um, now? Th- well, I mean, that's the joke that they show up at a guy's house. It's Ronald D. Moore, and it's not him. Oh yeah, but Ronald D. Moore eventually was in this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> That was a, I mean, that, that question is a, is a long, I mean, that was a, like, we can make that a, like, that was a chunk of a, of a thesis statement. Yeah. Portion. I mean, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, g- give it to me. So we don't really get Robot James that much anymore, which is a good thing. And well, sometimes we just got weird bullshit that I don't know what to use, but I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it in here. It's well, maybe it'll be entertaining. Man, you are robotic. Huh? I'm just saying you're still, uh, you know, Domo Arigato. Are they making a movie that Gerald's game by Stephen King? Yeah, I read the. Really? I read the book. On I didn't read that one, but twelve, and it's about six. I can't hear. I can't hear James at all. What's he talking about? A book? He's talking about Gerald's game, the Stephen King book. Uh, what is that? The one where it's. The girl's like sexually abused. No, she's not sexually abused. She's tied to a. She was. She was tied to a bed. Tied to a bed. Okay. They were having kinky sex. That's the one I was thinking of. (laughs) And then, like, the man had a heart attack and died and broke his skull. She's tied to a bed for like a weekend. And it's a. Yeah. And it, like, I don't. Just like a normal book you'd read when you're 12. (laughs) I read it when I was 12, man. I don't. (laughs) Just like a normal. Yeah. Just a normal. Dude, dude. My sexual depravity goes deep. It's right? a, pr- it's, a yeah. <laughs> it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I was gonna twelve year old. Heck, I mean, right. two and a half more years, and you'll be giving your copy to Daniel. <laughs> I actually have a timetable, like, because I've thought about, like, because was like said, like, let's watch your favorite movie, and I'm like, well, my favorite movie is Magnolia, so let's not watch my favorite movie. Well, that's what's your second favorite movie? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I would say that that was Pulp Fiction. So we're not watching that. So I have this timeline of what ages I can like watch movies with my kid. Uh, right. You know, and like like Pulp Fiction's a solid 13. Like I won't watch that till he's 13. Uh, Magnolia probably a little bit older, but like, <laughs> so I can't share any of these th- like little things with, with my son. Am I around a robot, James? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. So go okay. Ahead. Yeah. Okay. And, and next week, next week on the rules of acquisition. I just wanted to let yeah. you go on on your sexual depravity. <laughs> yeah. I've got an email here from Robert, and I'll just read it. Okay. All right. It says just a. Uh, Hi guys, enjoyed the voicemail extravaganza episode. I would vote for continuing them in the future. I just wanted to drop a quick note in appreciation for Hugh's short digression on sci-fi, particularly Ringworld. I read it in a similar position. I am a similar age and read it somewhat recently, so long after it was published. I read it because everybody talks about it as a classic and was disappointed. My friend, who was also into sci-fi, summarized it after I had completed it, as a 70s swinger goes to space. (laughs) Which sounds a lot like Hugh's summary. I got a bunch of the books for free, and I will mention that the prequel books he wrote with another author are better, but aren't good enough to just recommend. Hugh sounds like he has good taste, and is probably already familiar with these, but I would recommend Ursula Le Guin. 
both Left Hand of Darkness and The Dispossessed, for some good alternative perspectives on things. My wife recommends the Ancillary Justice Trilogy, of course. Also recommended a Canticle for Leibowitz, maybe too topical for a Trump presidency, The Forever War, <laughs> and Hyperion, which is basically a sci-fi Canterbury Tales with more horror elements. Enjoying the podcast, Robert. Oh, so this is for our book club. I- I know that you've read at least three of those books. You, I've read at yeah, least like, three of them since, myself. Since since <laughs> I've read Ringworld and talked you've about read it, like when, yeah. Um, Robert wrote that. Is that Robert? Yeah, that's from Robert. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to say to Robert, thank you for the the nice comments. Um, I'm all about this uh, space being open to talking about sci-fi in general. So if anybody else has any opinions on sci-fi, I'm 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 open to. It. I don't know. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I have read uh, the ancillary, the first book in the ancillary justice, and I liked it. I need to, but I had I have that audiobook. I had some problems with it, but they were not like philosophical problems. They were like story problems. I had, but uh, yeah, Hyperion, I had some problems with that too. Oh, oh, <laughs> this is what yeah, I read the Hyperion <laughs> at a young age, and it really stuck with me. Um, it, for some reason, it's a book that. <laughs> Passes the Bechdel test accidentally, uh, or like what, 400, 400 pages into it. Um, I just it's uh, there are things about the Hyperion I really liked, and there are some things that I really didn't. But I did it definitely didn't offend me as much as Ringworld. I don't even know offend is the right word, but just got me thinking about what I need from sci-fi in a different way. But yeah, thanks Robert for the yeah. for the email. Mm-hmm. And the You had a we had a lot of talks about Hyperion, I think you and I yeah, over. Lot on the text well on the yeah on the text stream. Yeah. Yes. I, I was I was locked like, out. Gwen is great. <laughs> Left hand of darkness I need to reread. I read it when I was kid and I think Ursula Ursula Gwen is probably the best uh, author I've never read. Yeah. She's pretty good. She she was actually, that's exactly the book I said I was going to read after reading Hyperion. I was like, maybe I need to read some Ursula uh, again. So, yeah, yeah. that's and what then I, 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 oh, nice. I not read. Canticle for Leibowitz is pretty good if you're a Catholic. Uh, it, it's it's good if you're not a Catholic, too. But it, I like that book a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Going out for all the Catholics in the house. Yeah. No, I should read Ancillary Justice just because like, if I share a town with uh, Anne Lackey. Is that her name? You lucky. Lucky or something like yeah. yeah yeah Lucky yeah yeah and I and I like we comment on local like, I don't know like she's a mainstay on my on my Twitter feed so I, I feel like I should actually <laughs> just because she hits my national politics buttons and my local politics buttons and and writing about fiction so like all three and I and I feel like I should at least give her the courtesy of reading something she's wrote yeah I mean it's so yeah. I should do yeah that. I think it gets what it deserves I there's some real good stuff there <laughs> but I just. I did just start uh, Karl Marx's Das Kapital, so I might be <laughs> in that. You might for need a, a bit. break, is what it sounds. <laughs> like. I might need a break. Yeah. <laughs> well, Robert did tap into something about reading about some some stuff you just don't want to encounter on the, with the current climate. It's just like yeah, standing yeah. too close to the fire. Yeah. For instance, I will be avoiding anything that do with nuclear war in the next few months. Okay. Uh, Chemical for just... Leibowitz is out then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, that was the same thing as I was like, I should read uh, I because sh- the, the Hulu show is starting. Handmaid's And so I was like, I yes. should wa- read Handman's Tale. And I'm like, and I got to like 10 pages and I was like, <laughs> fuck this, man. Because it's like, it's not like a typical dystopic future where it's not like a, mo- like it's modern day. It talks about like hurting these people into old gymnasiums and shit. I'm just like, this is what it, 
This is what it'll be. Right. Fuck this. Right. I just can't. So I can't I right like, now. You, needed, you needed to read that when Clinton was president. Yeah. Is when you needed to read that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm going back to read like you're reassessing your relationship with the, the art you want to consume. I'm reassessing like my what what level of extreme politics I'm willing to uh, embrace, and it turns out it's more extreme. So All right. but thank you, yeah, Robert. Th- All right. That's a great. <laughs> Yeah, we we love those kind of <laughs> yes. emails or voicemails or. And you know. do you think we'll wait? Yeah. And while Robert brought it up, do you think we'll do some more special episodes? Oh, I correspondent ep- episodes. I think that's very that's very likely as we get more. It's we're pretty verbose yeah. on a lot of these things. Yeah, we talk a lot, and you know, to keep links down, it makes sense to tell us how you feel if you really hate like having extra episodes or if you like having them come in the week because it's you know. <laughs> We have to cut more out if we try to squeeze more into the regular episodes and because we don't want to get too long on those. Yeah. So if you yeah, if you have opinions you don't want us to read on the air, just mark it as like, hey, I just want to give you all feedback. Say, don't do this. You don't have to read it out loud or play it. Please, if you don't feel comfortable having it said or right. we want to. And again, it's not necessarily when you email us to sign your name and then list your social security number. That's totally we didn't even ask for that. You don't even need to. All those people that did, we're real nice guys, and we haven't done anything with it yet. Just don't cross us, okay? But it's probably on some Google server. Just don't, just don't type your social anymore. We will dox you, motherfuckers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Talk about my plosives there. Sorry. Uh, We got a Twiggy email. I mean, talk about your plosives. Oh, when I said Twiggy, there's some. Oh, uh, oh, you're popping. Yeah, yeah. I'm rocking the mic without a, the pantyhose, and I'm fucking it up. <laughs> Sweet. I'm leaving this in. Just fuck you. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you tell me to go fuck myself. Okay, I'm back. Where, where, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Uh, I had to plug in my phone. Okay. We had a whole conversation about yeah, dildos. You missed, you missed oh. all the robot dildo conversation. Yeah, James was being a robot, and I couldn't, like, I had to take, my ears are rattling. <laughs> mm. Okay, so. All right. We're dildo, we're all dildo yeah, now. Let me belch. Oh, nope. He's no, no. Now. <laughs> I'm all, <laughs> uh, nope, I, I don't have the mental stamina to try to reach for that joke. <laughs> Not being hollowed out by dildos. Uh, uh, With your Itachi magic wand? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Dildos. <laughs> Dildos. <laughs> Dildo Baggins, the happiest hobbit in the Shire. Cue the Leonard Nimoy song. Hello. 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 Hey. Hi. Dildos. Dildo. Uh, <laughs> I got another from Stefan, and then I've got... Oh, my God. I know. So this will... Yeah, we'll probably have a few... <laughs> and one of them was 19 seconds that we had nothing yeah. to say. So, yeah, maybe we will do more of the voicemail extravaganza episodes. <laughs> Come on, we got to have some bef- sheer defenders here. Come on, people. Oh, oh well, we got to cry. We have this one titled Christ. We're past tense episodes. <laughs> okay. So, this is all for, also from Stephen. So, he wrote a thing that we have to address to make more about. Hello, guys. Doing this one, um, just think by the off chance that you're not totally sick to death about talking about past tense. Um, um, I've been listening to your pod, several podcasts about it and uh, re-watching those episodes. Um, 
I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, it, I, I like, I probably like it more than you. But past tense exposes one of the kind of main flaws of Star Trek and about of TV in general. Um, Star Trek as a show is very good in showing, I think, a future where all of humanity's problems have been solved, but it's not quite as good as at showing how to actually deal with those problems. And past tense is about problems that we deal with every day um, in 19, well, 1994, 95, whenever it was made, and today. And Especially even more today, because I think it's the, the episode takes place in 2024, so it's getting closer. Uh, it's dealing with things like homelessness, isola- isolation of people who have been marginalized, and all these things. And the solution that the writers bring to solving these problems, I think we already know now that um, if this was going on in real life, it wouldn't be as simple. And I think that's what dates the episode. And it's kind of unfortunate because I I still want to like it more than I do. I I do still like it, but I'm 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 kind of on the same page as you about it. We did get some very nice O'Brien Techno Bible, so that's good. Okay, um, there it is. If you're not completely sick to death about the past tense, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, Stefan. Listen, really we, we we I think that's cool that people are coming around. To, <laughs> no, listen, yeah. we might not be right about it, yeah. but that's definitely what we think about it. And I think that Stefan's kind of coming around. Yeah. You've got an episode. What we've got, a lot of people like something maybe the first time around or at the first pass. But, it, you know, if they scratch the surface, mm-hmm. they realize that it's flawed. That's that's all we're saying. I think he's picking up on that. Yeah, and I do want to. I do want to emphasize, like even maybe things I say in later episodes. I don't try to be contrarian for contrarian's sake. I don't try to be that asshole that writes the. You know, United was was probably in the right for taking that guy off the plane. Like, I don't want to be that that guy who writes that <laughs> yeah. article. Like, yeah, I'm that's, not. That's why I'm I'm friends with you because you're not a <laughs> fucking asshole. Yeah, but I'm not being like contrarian for like controversy. You know, like I, I really like I, I I'm trying to quote like I see it. I am trying to look at it from a more. I mean, I I do. Look, if we were, if I was just casually, you know, we're, you know, me and my son are just blowing through Deep Space Nines, like at, you know, while we, at, right after the, so we have something to watch after dinner. I'm probably not making all of these points up and like yelling at the TV about it. It is that I, we have a critical podcast. <laughs> so you want to like allow yourself to have these things. That being said, I mean, I don't think that I, turn your brain off uh, television is fun. I just want to like, you know, this show. Right isn't that generally and uh sometimes it does things wrong it it invites this kind of criticism and it's a good enough show that it can withstand this kind of criticism so there you go all right i just want to make sure that i i I feel like maybe in the next couple episodes i attack other fan favorites (laughs) and i just (laughs) want to i want to guard myself that i'm not just being contrarian for contrarian's sake so, all right. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. We got some disputes coming up, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> all right. Oh, uh, man. Uh, okay. And that's it. That's the end. Yeah. So do all the stuff that all those other podcasts that you listen to tell you to do. If, if you feel like it, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 917-408-3898. And, yeah, give us your feedback. Give us to your friends and, you know, whatever.
Thank you for listening. We do this for you and certainly not our own weird narcissism. Nope. Why would anybody do that? But all right. All right, Hugh, how do we in this thing? We'll see you next week. 3D Beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.